Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome to episode 98. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, sitting in the captain's chair this time. Code of honor, folks. Yep, we've picked out three really good quotations we're going to mull over and... uh, Play with and uh, bat around with each other. Uh, this is always one of our favorite episodes, of course. Wow, so. you're getting way too... I said it just at lunch. You can make anything sound dirty. God. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that. Yeah. That's right. See, oh, I'm was... sorry. I can make anything sound dirty in my head. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because, no, that one... Yes, uh, we were talking at lunch, and that one was intended to sound dirty when I did it. And I thought it was rather brilliant. I won't give it to it, because I'm not sure if I even remember this one was not. I was just kind of, you know, hey, it just was, you know, sometimes. And once again, Robert has <laughs> successfully derailed the conversation. Well, that's quite all right. It's okay. We're going. This is this is all about conversation, folks. This is this episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's all about wherever we want this to go. Uh, it's far less. Stru- I don't want to say it's much less structured because it is structured, but it's more or less planned out. We don't really when we're doing a history episode, we kind of know where we have to go. We're talking about pop culture issues. Yeah, we kind of know where we have to go. Not so much this one here. Uh, we sometimes surprise ourselves. Kind of the least prepped. There's a lot of that. From yeah. my perspective, definitely. We, we hit the well, record yeah. button and roll. Mostly, that's right. Well, I mean, we have to have something in mind. At least the two of us do before we start. Yes, uh, yes, because listeners, <coughs> the, the usual way this works is Francis and I uh, start with something and then Robert makes a decision on where he's going to go and ties it all together in a bundle uh, for your enjoyment. And he has... Hammers at home. Hammers at home. Oh, very well. Robertus Malleus. That's right. And you know he's he's never failed yet. So, now, to be fair... He's like Amazon. He always delivers. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good good one. Um, To be fair now, I do not just pick one out of my rear end. I have a list of quotes that covers a gamut of of subjects and, and... possibilities so i have a prepared list i just don't know what i'm going to pick off that list until after you guys go well you also are well read enough and intellectually robust enough oh thank you sir uh, to to pull one out of your behind well, i you, suppose i probably you, could, you, could I, yes it's got to have happened in as, as many of these as we've done have you always gone off the list or if you occasionally... I don't know. No, I don't believe you have. I believe there has been a couple where I something want to popped say into your head. Got to have I'm off, sure it must have. You've got to have gone off the reservation, depending on where we want to go. Because we've done, what, fifteen, at least 15 of these by now, Oh, my right? Lord. I mean, yeah. Uh, probably a lot more than that. I mean... Well, uh, no, because... Well, I mean, maybe not a lot more, because... Yeah, it's true. That's right. Once a month, you know... We right, but I mean, it was, We're hitting probably about 20 of them, because we're be cycling right. around on almost... Two full years. Of exactly. We started in June of 2019 with this format. Uh, or July. Excuse me. July. Uh, and that, uh, although... No, I think that was with the weekly, but... That's correct. But and I think the format didn't come till the fall. September is when this format happened. Yeah. We added pieces at different times. Yes. This one was fairly... Uh, I think this is like October-ish, wasn't it? When we did our first official Code of Honor. So, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and so if you take, you know, 80, roughly 80 episodes, I'll do the math here real quick, divide that before, you know, you're coming up on 20. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're getting close. Between 18 and 20 times we've, we've done this. Yeah. And we haven't uh, we haven't knocked Robert off the rails yet. Right. You've tried. We tried. See, it's the fact that I, I, I pride myself on being a fairly decent philosopher, even though I'm not a uh, professionally trained one. And when you are 
well versed in being able to do such things. It's real easy to tie anything together. <laughs> should be. Yeah, should, be. Right. should be. Should be. That's right. And we've done a spectacular job. It's like I said point. to my pastor recently about because uh, he was worried I, I wasn't going to show up and because I was I, I guess as we hadn't talked it's like oh I'm so glad you showed up because it was my preaching weekend it's like well, even if I hadn't you've been at this long enough you should be able to stand out there and talk for five minutes on the gospel unprepared yeah it's kind of same thing after all this time any one of us should be able to talk for five minutes on just about anything <laughs> this is true that's, yeah. that's the great uh, strength we bring to our game from men's fashions to industrialization. Benefits of a classical education. That's right. Thank, That's very thank you, Klaus. Hans. Hans. What do I say Klaus for? Yeah, so I was thinking Klaus Hergersheimer. That's diamonds are forever. Sorry. <laughs> Hans. Hans Gruber. Yes, right. I can, I can discuss industrialization and men's fashions all day, but work must intrude. Yes, that's right. So I think we better get started. Well, how about you go first? Okay. I have been struggling to decide what I wanted to do, but I think I've finally come yes, uh, to a conclusion because... Uh, Listeners, we are recently off of our incredible road trip to Springfield, Illinois to see the Abraham Lincoln uh, Museum, uh, Presidential Museum and Library. Oh, we didn't actually go into the library. Right. The library is a a separate uh, building. I Uh, wish we had had time for that. I would (coughs) like to have done that. Yeah, but we saw the tomb and we saw the the museum, which is really well done. Yeah, it is. And um, they had a... I guess they're not wax figures, but well, I mean, they, whatever they are, they're life-size mm-hmm. statues mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and life-like life statues, statues. Yeah, of many figures, uh, not just Lincoln at various stages, which there's a lot. There's of quite a few, quite a few family, yeah. the kids, well, him the, as a child, uh, Stephen Douglas, Mary Todd's got several, and uh, 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 the cabinet, uh, a couple of the generals, uh, Grant McClellan, uh, but they had one of. Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. and I've been pondering yes, this Yes, with one. Sojourner Truth. Yep, uh, and uh, Frederick Douglass is just, uh, we're doing an episode on him later, and yeah. I, I want to continue to research him. Uh, pretty amazing man. He is. Uh, in many respects, a lot of the philosophical underpinnings, the abolitionist underpinnings that became mainstream, it's him. What becomes... Yeah, the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, but and yet when things started, he was still fighting over whether even Lincoln is it really about that, and he eventually changes Lincoln's yeah understanding. Just, he really educates is. him. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's whether you think it's about preserving the union or not. What it's really about is slavery. That's right, because the union wouldn't be in danger if it were without slavery. Exactly, and uh, it was Douglas that made that point clear to not only to Lincoln but to the rest of the country. Right. States' rights was just the mechanism to keep slavery. Exactly, I mean, and uh, it was in because really, you can make a valid states' rights argument for lots of things, mm-hmm. but not that. Not that. Not that. That's right. Which then again, kind of under um, throws away a lot of the whole, you know, absolute uh, piece of of the the concept. Uh, it, be- it became a smokescreen to try to cover over or camouflage mm-hmm. uh, to cover the issue because, you know, slavery, when you say it, it sounds extremely unpalatable. But if you cover it with something like states' rights, well, who's not for that? Well, but you know what? I mean, I know we're getting off before we uh, get to your That's quote. okay. But I think the idea of slavery for the leaders of the Confederacy, those who were the, the most committed to keeping oh, yeah, the it, hardliners, uh, those who had the most economic interest in it, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to them, it was just such a natural, this is the way things are. Honestly, I don't think it was such a 
uh, uh, del- deliberation thing. that they had to say, let's make it more palatable by saying states' right. I think it was uh, just yeah, such an accepted exactly given right. that states' rights to them was, you know, it it was yeah they were they were fighting to keep their slaves yes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I think they were somehow able to separate the issues. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? the states' rights became to go Nietzsche on us because we like to do that. Was their pathway to power to to, ma- to maintain yes, their power? Yes, they recognized that that that, that mm-hmm. that's so a way that they could. Uh, yeah, but it just wasn't a way to 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 dress it up. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. I mean, to them, I think it, 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 at worst, I think you could say it was just it was a dual issue thing for them. But realistically, it was a single issue thing. Yeah, that's correct, and it's something that. Uh, uh, I always get very, very worried when people attempt to say the Civil War was about something other than slavery, because I think right. that's that's an attempt to dismiss something that yes, must not be. Yes, you cannot say it was about something and not slavery. You can say it was about something and slavery, or slavery yeah, sure. and this, but you cannot say it was not about slavery and, and, at all. And there's been a tendency towards that in recent years. Uh, well, not recent years. I mean, that, well, it's it's, yeah, it's it's been with us for a long, long time. It rears its head. Part of that's lost cause mentality, I think, is where that's you know. They... I think that's pretty well done and gone with. Now. I'm yeah. glad to see well, that. There's You're always exactly a lot right. of there's always a lot of revisionism in any kind of history. People always want to try to find some other thing buried in there, but sometimes it's like yeah. Sometimes a cigar is a cigar. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and so I want to really again, Douglas uh, is a long time ago, and people like that tend to get a little lost in our modern world. Or legendized. Yeah. Uh, there's been some of that with yeah. you know Lincoln when we when we were at the museum yesterday they they nailed that straight on the head. It says we don't really know the real Lincoln because he's become legend he's, because of the way he, he died. Some, yeah, mythology. Douglas has a little of that uh, because of what he did. Yeah. Uh, once it was understood, he was the man. But his writings were pretty uh, substantial. Correct. I mean, he's, he was a real writer. Right, and that's uh, fortunate. you know Lincoln's a speaker and a politician, but Douglas is a writer, and so. Uh, I really want to dig into him a little bit as we as we move through this year and beyond. But my quote for for this episode is: "A man's rights rest in three boxes: the ballot box, the jury box, and the cartridge box." So that, of course, that means a lot to me as a as a Second Amendment uh, proponent, um, right? Because the cartridge box. We don't use those anymore, but it's still it's a great great metaphor. Yeah, it, yes. very much so. Well, I mean, Douglas was a master speaker, writer, orator, etc. Thinker is probably mm-hmm. the best. Oh, way yeah, to put it. and self taught largely. Absolutely, yes. 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 As was Lincoln, they had that in common. Uh, their formal education was was very very uh, limited, uh, and yet they both rose to pinnacles yeah. in many areas. Uh, and I like the, of course, you know, the language of the way he puts that together is something that you can easily remember the quote by. Yes. Because it's something that sticks with you yeah. in the head. I love that. But it, it, it means so much. The, the ballot oh, yeah. box. Okay, yes, our elections must be ironclad. That's right. Whatever that looks like. Okay, we, but they've got to be unassailable. Well. Otherwise, we are endangering our rights. The yes. jury box. Yes, okay, jury duty is painful and silly and you're away from work, but... And as often it's a burden to do. It is. It's difficult. It can be boring, but it's important. It's you're safeguarding the rights of the accused. Everyone deserves a fair trial. Even the devil. Absolutely. Because 
if he doesn't get it, then how, you know... Well, that's Thomas More. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes that's exactly right. Yes. Even the devil, devil gets the benefit of law. Uh, because otherwise, uh, then what, none of us could stand upright on the winds that would blow. That's, that's more on yeah. that subject. And then I think the cartridge box, again, also should be pretty self-evident. But, uh, but it's not. Well, I mean, you it, know, it's the, also a little bit metaphorical because that basically it, it implies that it is the will of the people, the governed, that keeps systems in place. Yes. And that's that's really what that means. It's not it's not just saying that you have the ability to bully your way into getting your way. It's about the people have the ability to change their government or their laws as they see fit. Well, they must. Yeah. You know, because some not, places but not at the point of a gun. That is correct. The I think the point of that is that you know, a person has the the right, not just the the privilege, but it is a right to not just self-defense on a personal level, but self-defense at a community level, a cultural level, a national level. Yep. We are all responsible right. for that defense. Right. It's not just, you know, the, the right to bear arms is both a private and a public right that is guaranteed. It's private in the sense that individuals have the right to own firearms. It is public in the sense that we are all responsible for the defense of our country in whatever form that takes. No, the common yep. defense, as Jefferson said in the preamble to the Constitution. I mean, it's uh, actually it was Madison. Sorry, uh, but yes, it's it's really about that. Um, right, and, and you, you, the word you use that's so important there is individual. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it was intended to be. It is an individual right to protect yourself, not just from the criminal element. But from a corrupt government, oh. and we we I think you know as you move on and a republic gets elderly and moves on okay. in its history, it can be very easy for us to forget that the government is supposed to serve at the pleasure of the people, and it gets it becomes the people exist at the pleasure of the government. Or the people get to subsist on the pleasure of the government. Um, unfortunately, I, sometimes it feels like we're kind of there. Oh, yeah. Our, our permission to subsist comes from a faraway place. Yeah, you know, if I often feel like if we were to take the founders and introduce them to the world that we live in today, they would be both astonished because of how wonderful so much of it is, uh, as well as bewildered and incredibly sad. It, it would be, I mean, for someone like uh, Samuel Adams, it would be, load up, we got 535 people we got to shoot. Right. You know, he is uh, not, yeah. Uh, you know, he, Not that I'm advocating going and shooting everyone in Congress, uh, but no. the, the, well, the founding generation would not recognize a Congress that we have now. They would, right. They would they see would, the structure, but they would see it, its use as so the, perverted. The, the astonishment of Senator McConnell's been there since when? Speaker right. Pelosi's been there since when? Uh, 35 and 50 years congressional careers. It's not what they had in mind. Right. I mean, and that's not to say that even right, you know, even during the founding era and going forward, there were not men who served 
for long periods. Because that did happen. Yeah. But it was not the norm. People in general didn't aspire to politics as a career to begin with. That was not the idea. Now, they probably should have realized that that was going to very quickly be overtaken yes. by... Well, Rome would have been a very good model for that because... Well, Great Britain. Absolutely. I mean, because, you know... You have a patrician class, for lack of a better term. Exactly. You it's know, almost it, inevitable. While it's true that anybody from any walk of life can displace one of those ruling class, mm-hmm. they very quickly become what they have displaced. Yeah. It's, it's and just, that's the problem. You it's can't a revolving the, door as to who, yeah. but the what never changes. Yeah, you you know, you can't tell the pigs from the humans. Right. When you're all covered in slop, it's... Well, the pigs like it, too. Well, yeah. Two so, legs, you know, four legs good, two legs bad. Four legs good, two legs better. Yeah. Is, is where you get. Again, that, that vision at the end of Animal Farm of looking in the farmhouse window and you can't tell the pigs from the humans. It's all the same thing. Yeah. So, so that's a little more political than we normally would get, or especially that I would get. Well, it's but, political philosophy. Yeah, political philosophy. Yeah, we've always been point. very clear about that. That you know, we are never partisan. Uh, and I like the fact that you call on me the show. Of, on the show, yeah, that's right. Uh, everybody's partisan. We're just trying. We just try not to be on the show. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Because you call out both sides. Of that. Yeah. Because we recognize if you name one and not the other, then somebody can easily get hijacked and thinking we're saying something that we're not. Right. Or worse, not hear anything after what we have to say. <laughs> yeah. That's the common way. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the, the the focus, though, is that it's, Douglas is on the money here. It's there's All three are important. Yeah, your ballot a, box, your cartridge box, and your jury box are our sacred responsibilities of a free citizen. And they yeah. are. And they the thing I like about those is that they're all rights that are exercised individually for the greater good. Mm. Because that's one of the things that far too often we we lose sight of. And that's true on both the the left and the right today. Yeah. Um, you know, far too often the most extreme of a libertarian it's all about me as an individual and F everybody else. And they don't recognize that you can't be alone. You can't it just does not work that way. Well, no man is an island. I mean, you know, that's... Well, because the point of protecting individual liberties is if you protect the individual, then the group takes care of itself. That's what we lose with identity politics and group politics right. and all of that. It's like, but you don't have to protect that group if you protect the individual. Right. And when you have the left where everything is only about the group. Yes. You know, you, groups cannot exercise rights. Rights can only be exercised as individuals they may do it collectively because obviously when we vote we collectively yes. vote for whomever winner or loser and but they're always exercised individually nobody should ever be able to count on a group's set of votes especially things that are um, inherently unchangeable and I really don't nobody like should it. be able to count on the men's vote or yes. the women's votes, or the white vote, or the Asian vote, or the African American vote. Those things that should not drive you know ideolo- ideology and, should, yeah, and but I, not. I really dislike it when politicians abandon a vote too. Yes. Where, oh well, we're not going to get there. Have you tried? I mean, reach out to people as individuals. Reach out to people as citizens of a nation. Well, Your we, interests are largely the same. 
uh, again, a, a, a structured, functioning economy in this country that's growing helps everybody. Uh, a nation that's being defended against attack protects everybody. If you, if you have an appeal, make it broad. That's the whole idea of what the American experiment is. Right. You're and, supposed to be appealing broadly. Well, why That's why I was built that way. Why wouldn't you want everyone to vote for you, not just 51%? Yeah. Well, That's, part of the problem, though, is that n- not everybody thinks the same. So oh, we know it's not by definition, but. you cannot appeal to everybody. Exactly. So it becomes a, a zero-sum game. So I only have so much effort, whether that's time or money, yeah. to spend on a campaign or an issue that I want to promote. So therefore, I'm going to target my money and my time and my effort where it will get the most return. That's just natural. Yes. Unfortunately, it's gotten to the point where the message has been crafted with that in mind. That, I think, is the problem. It's not Very so much insightful, Robert. Very not insightful. so much how the time and money is spent because it's true, you know. Uh, you look at 2016. Hillary Clinton did not campaign in a lot. I mean, she just didn't even bother in a lot of states. She barely made appearances in certain states, and she lost those states because she thought she could count on them. That's the abandonment of the population that you're talking about. Yes, but also we've gotten to the point where our messages are crafted to particular groups, and that I think is the biggest loss. Because we no longer campaign for America or Americans. We campaign for whatever our pet issues are. And while, yes, we hope that those issues will appeal to a broad number of people, that's not how it's being presented. Uh, you know, the identity politics, it works on both sides. It's an us against them. I mean, and it, politicians exactly. have become that. experts at pitting us against each other and saying, vote for me or that other group's going to get over on you. Right. And so the those individual exercises of those rights, they get lost that way. So we vote as a block, you know. We uh, uh, when it comes to juries, you know, often identity comes into that because uh, you know lawyers will look at it and there are experts. I mean, there's even a TV show that points this out, Bull, that they get jury consultants to tell you, well, you want these kind of people for this kind of uh, of jury, uh, for this kind of defendant. And for this kind of victim, and it's all based on the identity. And, you know, there's a large number of people now who think that, you know, defense is a group right thing. Well, the only way a group right thing like that can be exercised is by government, which then puts everybody else in danger. Because if government is the only one that can exercise those kinds of rights, or groups are the only ones that can exercise rights, you are well on your way to a tyranny <coughs> yep. of one kind or another. Yep. And a tyranny is always about a small powerful group of people oppressing everybody else and that's the fastest way to equality when we're all in the shitter together pardon my french oh that was it was quite eloquent sir when everybody's shitter <coughs> is full everybody's shitter is full then we're equal yep robert you're uh, you're a pretty insightful uh, political <laughs> philosopher man i really i i i groove into this i mean it is it's like grooving fastballs to al Kaline. And oh, dude. Awesome. You like the tiger oh, reference. I did, yes. Mm. He May he rest in peace. You're just drilling him right out into right field, man. That's right. Mr. Tiger. All right. Well, Francis, I guess that puts it back in your court, bro. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't... Uh, 
I didn't go, you know, we, like like we've always said, we never know where we're going to end up and how, you know, we don't pre-coordinate things. Um, but I don't, and to be answering your question uh, before it's even asked, I don't know where the, why the hell I decided to go with this. So <laughs> you just can't ask. It's just one of those things that pops into your head. But I got to thinking, well, I, I, can, I can't tell you why. I've recently been watching, we've talked about this, the new CW show Superman and Lois. Which is very popular, I it's understand. It's very popular, and it's damn good. It's damn good. It shows the Man of Steel, one of my favorite long-term characters, in the way I think he should be shown, uh, as a father, husband, and member of a community, and not just some kind of blunt instrument. And Superman is always, I think, best portrayed as extremely human. Well... The show is called Superman and Lois, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah. It's Clark and Lois. It's Clark and Lois, that's right. But we had Lois and Clark, so they couldn't, you know, years right. ago. Right. No, I get so that. That's but it's essentially it. taking that same that's right. same thing, doing a modern version of it, and better. Oh, yeah. As it much is, as I like Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher in, in very the original, much so. yeah. I'm really liking these yes, guys. Yes, they, they really have... Uh, the, the folks, uh, Greg Berlanti, that, that produces all those CW shows, he understands the core of what needs to be done here and he's and they do it brilliantly they've done enough of them now for these many years to get it right I'm kind of I guess that's my inspiration for picking it but I've picked Superman as my quote now of course Superman is a fictional character so he's written by somebody the actual author of this quote is Grant Morrison a well-known super rock star in the comic book writing world uh, he and uh, the artist Frank quietly many I guess probably more years ago than I realized did a, a, a series <clears throat> called All-Star Superman, which kind of took some really strange, not mostly strange, but unique perspectives on the character of Superman. Uh, the DC did an animated version of that. If you got HBO Max, it's on there. You can watch it. It's actually a pretty good distillation in an hour and a half of it. Uh, anyway, this particular, there's a scene in one of those uh, issues where a young lady is about to jump off a building. And she's literally getting ready to jump, and Superman appears behind her. And he says something to the effect of, your doctor really did have an emergency today he couldn't see you on. That's not my quote, but that's kind of like, Superman kind of knows what's what she's getting ready to do, what's going to happen, and the fact, I'm assuming because of super hearing, that all is not what she appears to be. But my quote is what he says to her right after that. He says to her, try and comfort her, because she's a, she's, a, since she's a teenager. She's if, if she's 14, I'd be surprised. He says, it's never as bad as, and here's my quote, it's never as bad as it seems. You're stronger than you think you are. Trust me. And that trust me part is not about trust me in whatever is going on. It's, he's saying, trust me in what I just told you. Yeah. And I think that is a powerful motivator for a humanity... That in many respects is looking for that inner strength that we have within us. That individual strength that we bring with us as human beings. Uh, Too many times we're easily manipulated by outside forces. And we have to remember that that free will that we've been given is a powerful force. And we are smarter than we realize if we choose to be. And I think that's a powerful message. Uh, and there's the irony for you, and that's that's the brilliance of Grant Morrison. The most powerful creature on the planet is telling you, this person who appears to have no power whatsoever, oh, yes, you do. 
And it's far more than you can imagine. And I know, I see that in you. That's what I wish we could hear from our political leaders, from our leaders in general. That's what I wish you could hear. You guys are smarter. You folks know better. The will of because, the people is yeah. a powerful force for good. And use it. Yeah, because the current political message generally is, let us take care of it. That's right. You're you're helpless. Well, let and, us take care of you. And that's really let us Or down the other folks are bad, so we have to be in charge. Yes. I mean, it's, we'll, it's, we'll, they're, they're it's, it's two sides of the same. Yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll protect you from the yeah. other side. Right. And you're helpless. Let us protect you. Yeah. Which is, it's gone on long enough to where I, I try not to be, uh, you know, generally I'm not a negative person, but honestly when it comes to the political landscape and how it works today, I've gotten to become very negative. I have a hard time seeing positives in it because I think we've gotten to the point where it is almost almost impossible under the current climate to return to the individual focus of of things uh to turn away from the it's all about the group identity and the uh good versus evil uh aspect of things you know because we've lamented it many times about how you know you don't make a deal with the devil therefore you must destroy your opponent when it comes to politics and you know it's really hard to step back from that and part, and, you know, part and parcel of all of that is making it not about the individual, but about the groups. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it goes back to if you take it away from the individual, uh, you stifle everything. Mm-hmm. You stifle thought, creativity. You stifle the ability to do things. Mm-hmm. And now, in general, I'm I'm a fan of Congress not being able to do much. Mm-hmm. Uh, partially because I think they're so effed up that you know, whenever they're doing stuff, they're not doing things that are good for the country. Now, sometimes they do. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's, you know, not, it's not It's not 100% but, yeah. that they are they do things to, to screw us over, but, you know, it's really hard to see when they're not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like times. P.J. O'Rourke would say, you know, when are we done? Right. When are we done? Yeah, giving Congress power of the purse is like giving uh, keys to a Lamborghini and a bottle of whiskey to a teenager or something yeah, like that. Like a, yeah, it's like, yeah. Giving uh, giving Congress money and power is like giving uh, whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. Right. You know, it, it seems like it's gotten that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a that is a great quote because uh, Francis, because it is a reminder that we to me it's a reminder that we have more control over what happens to us or happens around us than we think. That's right. We often cannot control the majority of what goes on around us. Uh, we often can't even control a majority of what happens to us, depending on what situation we're talking about. But the thing we can always control, always and everywhere, is our response to that. Mm-hmm. And so much of our response has become automatic. Yeah. Because... Without thinking. With, with, well, that's kind of what it means. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. That's what... <laughs> but I mean... You know, it, it's become automatic in the sense that, all right, I identify myself as this particular group. Therefore, I must respond to whatever happens in this way. That's what I'm. That's what I mean when I was talking about we, we've taken the individual out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Francis' quote even goes beyond that. I mean, we hit this. We're in this political mind frame, I think, but there's a lot there. Even beyond that, that's my intention. Yeah, yes. there's there's that inner strength again. That 
you've heard that message not just from Superman. I mean, you hear that message from Winnie the Pooh. A.A. Milne, you know, Winnie the Pooh's telling Piglet, you're stronger than you know. And, and, and Christopher Robin's telling Pooh, you're smarter than you know. You know, you can do this. And it's, it is. It's a very powerful, positive message um, that is good to remind ourselves of every once in a while. That we, we forget. And it's like, no, no. I'm strong enough. I can do this. I can handle it. Yeah. From a, from a faith perspective, you know, you're supposed to believe that God doesn't give you anything more than you can handle. Of course, my response to that is often, I wish you wouldn't trust me quite so much. That, yes, thank you, uh, Trisha. <laughs> it would be nice to get on a little Teresa easier. Lassau, too. Yes. She, that's a famous quotation of hers, yes. that's, uh, which is very, very true. Uh, uh, but that's also showing, you know, if you when you approach it from a faith perspective, even just from a, you know, rah, rah, I can do whatever motivational thing, you know, it, it's also a, you are meant for greater things than you think. Mm-hmm. And whether that's just in quietly overcoming whatever your trials are or going out and doing great things like Frederick Douglass or a podcast or a podcast, (laughs) you know, well, not everybody can do a podcast. I mean, come on. That is, I, 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 we, we say this a lot. We feel like we're at the top of this game. I agree. Just, we just need to, to get out there on the audience. And speaking of which, yes, you can reach us on Twitter at, uh, Snakes and Otters podcast. We're on. We have an Instagram account, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And we have a YouTube channel. Are, are, are the, are the automatically posted. They are okay. Because yeah. honestly, I never. That's never how I check the the uh, the episodes. So I, yeah. I don't know if it's currently being updated or not. It is. But also, we have the website now, which is great. Snakesandotters.com. Oh yeah. And you you can reach us there. Robert at snakes snakesandotters.com. Martin Francis at snakesandotters.com. Mm-hmm. And comment on the post. Comment uh, again, on the post. Uh, my man Francis here on Francis Fridays. Again, also he's been gro- killing it, grooving Thank them uh, right out of the park as well. Uh, so yeah. Martin Mondays and now Wabbit Wednesdays, you need to be chastised. I, I, I am. I, I freely admit I am the biggest slacker when it comes to posting on the website. But you're an excellent writer, so Absolutely. we really need you to post. It, it, yeah, I know, uh, I, and I want to write more. I really do, but it just. I have far too many things going on. I, I really, I'm trying to cut back all the things that I'm have going on in my life because when you have you know 50 things going on, it's really hard to make time for the the, the important stuff because you tend to try and do it all. And yes. so that's my my big problem. Don't half-ass a lot of stuff. Whole ass yes. one thing. Exactly. That's pretty good. Like that. <laughs> Ditch, so, you stole my quote. <laughs> I think that takes us to uh, bourbon break as well. Yes, time for bourbon break. Bourbon break. So I just poured a little of Francis's uh, Evan Williams single barrel vintage. Uh, With ice, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, a couple little cubes of ice. And uh, this was put in oak in 2012. So this is, uh, I'm not sure when it was bottled, but it's been in oak and then in the bottle. It's it's 11 years old. That's right. Or nine, I'm sorry, nine years old. Mad skills leaving me. Uh, It was a long day yesterday. Yeah. Yes, we were just back from our, our road trip and... Woo doggies! Like I said, the the, the Frederick Douglass was very realistic, and, and I was uh, very inspired. Um, Francis, what about you? What'd you pour, man? Uh, Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Uh, I, I bought this kind of on a whim. Basil Hayden, of course, one of my favorites, one of the go-to's that I go to, and an ancestor of mine, actually. So I've you know, kind of the brand is sufficient for me. It's the family bourbon. It is absolutely. Of course, this isn't bourbon, but it's yeah, it's yes, dark you know dark rye, uh, rich, dark, and deep. Those it does words. have a great color. 
Yes. It, yes. 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 I, I got to admit, it is a great, rich, yeah, uh, it's, it's just got caramel some, color. Yes. <coughs> and it's got a it's straight got a, rye whiskey blended with Canadian rye whiskey and port. Yeah, so it's a, it I is a. Say that accounts for some of that it color. It is a smooth, hard bite. You know, it's kind of like if you were to compare uh, a light Pilsner beer to an Amber Bach. Mm-hmm. Similar type of a difference there. Okay. Well, since you had the uh, uh, Woodford Double Oaked here, uh, I had to go with that. Of course. I'm actually out of the Woodford Double Oaked oh, at home. Did we so, drink it all? Um, oh, I'm sure you guys contributed. Well, I'm sure I, we contributed. I, I finished off the bottle. Okay, we, yeah. We, I we, had we, the last drink. Man, good. That's that's one. It's very important that you know that you get, that you get that privilege. But you know, it is definitely my go-to. Uh, matter of fact, I may stop and get some on the way home. <laughs> just because it's it's I just it's yes. just to me a, a great smooth flavor. All bourbon aficionados should carry it on their shelf. Absolutely, it's just kind of a thing. It's also speaking of such on the shelf, it's a great looking bottle. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like about uh, bourbons nowadays. The they're giving thought to the bottles. Mm-hmm. It doesn't you know, matter. It Absolutely. is, yeah, yeah. Now the Basil Hayden, it's got a traditional bottle, mm-hmm. although it's a little more tapered down at the bottom, so it's not even you know your traditional it's, it's straight up fifth kind of bottle of whiskey that you would see uh, on a, a, a shelf. Paper label with a with a piece of wood. And a metal band around the center of it. Yeah. So, the, I mean, presentation. It, it, it really, you know, that does matter. I mean, it does. And the Evan Williams, it's also got a little bit of a unique bottle. Yeah. I, I think that's great. The black wax over um, it. It's not like Maker's Mark with the, the red The quarter wax. horse we had last month, that was a square. That was the a square, square bottle. bottle. I like that. I think that's really that's nifty. Fun. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's, that, it's those things that entices you to grab it off the shelf and buy it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and for the most the, part... You know, it's not like we, you know, see an odd bottle that we've never seen and, you know, from someplace we've never heard of. We, you know, we generally uh, put a little bit of thought into the into the new ones. But, you know, sometimes presentation is also a mark of quality. Mm-hmm. Because some low-end piece of crap bourbon, which is still bourbon, um, is not going to put that kind of effort into the bottle. So, you know, that is, in a way, a mark of at least the attempt at quality. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to give a flyer on uh, on that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's very good. Yes. Speaking so, of very good. Yeah, I'm going to open up a... It's not, see, this is not a ding-dong or a little Debbie. This is a ho-ho, right? No, or no, no it's, it's a ding-dong. Ding not a ho-ho. Not a ho-ho. We don't have any ho-hos around here. Well, well all... every ding-dong should have his ho-ho. Oh, God, he went very good. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Robert. I was oh, trying to Lord. get there, and I mangled I, it. You are just, this sexual innuendo thing, uh, man, we're just stepping It's in usually it. my thing, and I mangled it, and, well, and Robert he rescued saved the day. He saved it, day. nails it down completely. Yes. I mean, but I can't help it. You know, I'm missing just, Mrs. Robert. <laughs> we're snacking high on the food chain and being yes. all political philosophy here. I think it's time for Robert to take off with it. Okay, so... Um, my quote is from a gentleman. I didn't really know anything about him. I just like the quote, but I did a quick search while we were uh, speaking. Uh, it's from Theodore N. Vale, who was actually uh, one of the early presidents of AT&T from back okay. in the 1880s. So he's like one of the... Oh, way back. Way back, yeah. Uh, so and, somebody that would have maybe have even worked with uh, Alexander Graham Bell then. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, he has ties to, to, to Bell. He has ties to the inventor of the telegraph. So, I mean, he's... You know, all there. So that's, I mean, he's all up in the middle of it. And and I didn't get far enough into the reading, but I think he may have actually been uh, the first uh, president of the combined 
entity of the you know the bell companies as well as the telegraph companies mm-hmm. so that's his background so this is you know we're talking 140 years ago mm-hmm. now the quote is this real difficulties can be overcome it is only the imaginary ones that are unconquerable Ooh. so wow really i think that's a fantastic motivational quote because it reminds us that the internal struggle is far more important than the external because the internal is where well at least for guys like us anyways uh especially those of us that that have a hard time shutting off the internal dialogue like myself <laughs> you know is it possible <laughs> well you know i guess we sleep it just transforms into something well, you know i talk about the internal we've talked about this before mm-hmm. many times and i think we've even talked about how uh, recently, I came across uh, this article that um, uh, some people have a literal monologue, dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. It's okay if you have a dialogue with yourself. Just don't say, huh, when you talk to yourself. Right. Uh, but some people don't talk to themselves. Don't, you know, when I, to me, it's words. Sure. For others, it's a little bit more organic. Uh, and we and we we all go back and forth. Nobody's one hundred percent the other way. But for me, predominantly, it's language based. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many, though, it is image based. Mm-hmm. It's conceptual based. Interesting or emotional could be or emotional. Could be, yes, it, it, you know, for me, the language means it's just a little more. It's more concrete. Uh, but for some, you know, the image may be more concrete because they're visually. Uh, it's just how they think. Uh, you know, when you think about being hungry for something, you know, do you think of a picture of the food you want to eat or do you think of the words is the example that is often given? You know, I think that probably, like I said, I think people go back and forth. Nobody's 100% one way or the other. But it's just indicative, though, of the internal struggle, whether that's concrete words or uh, uh, very... Um, uh, uh, custom images, you know, that are particular to the person either way. The internal struggle is the most important. Uh, Christ said that what is outside of us is not what defiles us. It is what is inside of us that defiles us. Which would seem to be in line with the quotation you just gave. Exactly. Uh, when we, you know, Christ said that, that uh, a man who looks upon a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a concrete example of what he means, is that sin itself starts inside. Uh, what, what we feel, what we think, what we hear ourselves say, doesn't matter. Uh, and what we struggle against is often inside. Now, that's not to say that you know, real struggles against poverty and hunger and disease are not real or not important. Um, but, like I said a little while ago, you know, it's how we respond to those things. And all of this ties into we are better than we think. Mm-hmm. And that individual exercise of the rights that Martin talked about. Because if you are... I think the when you let the imaginary struggles take over, that's, I think, when you tend to... Um, and, I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it to say that... It's, no, I'm not even going to say it because it would come off poorly. Uh, but the imaginary struggles, I think we want to imagine that others are in the same boat with us. And so I think we tend to 
to give everybody our struggles. And I think we can also tend to want to take on everybody's struggles mm-hmm. that way. Uh, and because, you know, misery loves company <laughs> in some ways. But our struggles are unique. And I think especially in the modern world where so much of our creature comforts are taken care of, the imaginary struggles are more uh, important to overcome, to, to realize that they are not real. Because let's face it, in our country, the vast supermajority, beyond supermajority, it's, it's statistically, it's, it, it's a blip, very real at the individual level, but a blip of people whose physical and safety needs, as well as uh, you know, housing, food, are not taken care of. You know, yeah, people are paycheck away from losing their house, all that sort of stuff. But on a day-to-day basis, the vast majority of people, all that stuff's taken care of. We have the time for pleasure and relaxation in ways that past generations did not. And when we have that, I think that the imaginary struggles can take on a much more uh, real aspect to us. Mm. Because the big struggles that we used to have to worry about they're not as they're not as big and so we need something to strive against so i think we tend to play up the things that yeah. might go bad yeah. that that won't and there, there's a core of what you're talking about is is i think an older saying of if you think you can't yes you won't yeah uh thomas edison or uh, not Tom, uh, henry ford henry I think, ford yeah uh, that's what i was said that. Say, was to say that uh, yeah. so if you think you can or whether you think you can't you're right. That's, that's yeah, one that's of my favorite quote. quotes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and uh, so well, that's very much at the core of what you're talking about. And and then, okay, well, but if you think you can, because you're smarter than what you think, mm-hmm. and you have the right to do so, because you as an individual are guaranteed your rights, then yes, you can. Exactly. We can. That's exactly the point I'm making. Yeah. You can make an impact. You can have an influence. Right. You can achieve. Yes, but all of these three have to work together. <clears throat> if any one of these three things are missing, then you've screwed the pooch. Or the likelihood of failure goes up. Because if you don't think you can, you know, if you think that, that it's hopeless, mm-hmm. whatever, however you want to take Francis's quote, you know, however you want to express that in, in the situation, uh, then focusing on the right thing and... Exercising those individual rights, whether it be the ballot box, the jury box, or the cartridge box, but more importantly, taking responsibility as an individual for the good of all, if you don't think you can, it doesn't matter. But if you try to take responsibility as an individual for the good of all, and you think you can, but it's against an imaginary problem, then again, it doesn't matter. Against the right foe, while thinking you can but not exercising those individual rights for the good of for the common good again it's not going to work well said you're a better writer than you think trust me so you need to start posting on Wednesdays robert oh very nice very good good one uh, um, yeah i kind of slid that one around there yeah it's yeah. very good it's very slightly i like the but that's i like that end of that yeah that of course superman the most powerful being on the planet trust me yeah, exactly. Trust me, I, I know you. I, I know you. That's 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 it. Yeah, that's and, uh, you know we're, the we're trust gonna... me part. We're sorely lacking in that. Yeah, right. and we're also sorely lacking in somebody who's willing to step up and say, "Of course you can do it." Yeah, we need a Superman. You know, that, uh, to me, we no, need, we need somebody who no. believes in us. We need more people who believe 
Superman when he we says. Would, we would tend to well, stop right. believing yes, yes. in ourselves and believe in Superman. Oh, well, when I say Superman, I don't mean... I know, you're... I somebody mean, who's yeah. willing to tell us that. I mean, Clark Kent. I mean, the guy that... that yes, good you, man. Need a, you need a Clark... We need a Clark Kent. Yeah, that's we a better way to Superman. That's, you're exactly right. That's the better way of well, putting that. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I guess, I mean, I take it as we need... It's really two things. We need more people who are willing to say, yes, you can do that. But I think you need them in the, in the context of what we were just talking about. Yeah, yes. Do the right thing for the right reason while believing that you can. Um... And we need more people who are willing to believe it because that's that's part of I think the the biggest problem facing modern society, whether it's in this country or anywhere else, and that not enough people believe that they can. Uh, self doubt is a crippler. It is. Self doubt leads to because self doubt is the wrong enemy to fight. It's the imaginary struggle that is not the right struggle. Yeah, because yeah, it shouldn't exist. We need right. to be Ferris Bueller. In what way? Because I can think of so many ways to be Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I don't believe in beetles. I just believe in me. That's right. I believe in snakes and otters, man. Well, see, now that's not... Because he would say, I don't believe in snakes and otters. otters I just believe in me. But yes. It, it, but snakes yes. and otters, though, is a great example of uh, of what we're talking about. You know, uh, part of exercising you know, the ballot box is not just the vote. It's the willingness to speak up about things. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's meant to be. It's a, the, you know free speech as well as the vote. So yeah. this is us exercising the First Amendment. Yep. And believing in ourselves that we could do it. And in a way, I, I sometimes feel we're just a tad bit subversive, and I like it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because you know we are willing to call out anybody and everybody. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, honestly, for myself, I won't speak for you guys, but I imagine you have similar uh, thoughts and feelings at times. Is I don't know that I have a political home anymore. Oh well, that's uh, yeah. I, uh, I'll call out either either political party when necessary when they violate what I know is a core truth belief. Yeah, I mean, I still tend to one side over the other, but yeah, yeah. But as far as a political home, eh, that sure don't feel like yeah, allegiance isn't very strong. Yeah, anymore. I mean, it's a nice place to visit, but I don't know that I want to live there. Well, yeah, the problem. Well, yeah. well, because to surrender to partisanship surrenders things that I'm not willing to surrender. My ability to think for myself, in particular. Yeah, and I understand it from the other side too. Of, well, yeah, that's great, but sometimes you got to win. Sure. Yes, there is that. You know, so I understand the frustration with that kind of. Well, we'd rather be ourselves and lose. It's like, yeah, but you're still a loser. Well, and at some point, you have to win and at least protect a few things. Maybe you don't get to protect everything you believe in, but if you lose, you don't protect anything. Spoken like the pragmatist that, of course, we know Martin to be. (laughs) But on the other hand, sometimes, um, you know, out of the ashes of of massive defeat comes victory. Mm -hmm. There was no Ronald Reagan without uh, Goldwater in 64. And without Watergate and without Jerry Ford. (laughs) Come on now. Well, but I mean, I think history's verdict on on Ford is uh, it's like he's a cipher. He's kind of a, a nothing. Well, he was given as a president the impossible job. He was given a very poor hand. I mean, yeah, he, and he knew that going in. Yeah, I think. he did pretty well with a pair of twos, but that really is all he had. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty good. <coughs> very good. But you know, I mean, I always have a soft spot for for Jerry just because you know he's Michigan man. Michigan play ball at Michigan. That's right. So oh, that's right. I've forgotten that. You yeah, can't go too wrong there. But right. you know, just one more time to hammer it home. Do it. My greatest frustration 
with the way things go today is because it is almost exactly 180 degrees in opposition to how I think things ought to go. Um, people are fighting the wrong battles for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. Yep. I get that. And what bothers me the most about it is not because I because I think that they're... I mean, I'm not offended at it other than I think that we are wasting the country. And we are very quickly, I think, on a road towards um, killing the ideals that the country was built on, at least for a generation or more. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are on a road that I think may take a catastrophic event to, to our path on a path that would take a catastrophic catastrophic event to correct and that's troubling yeah uh, to me and for you know not just about what we've put into the country granted not as much as as many but for what we've left our kids you know when i think about what makes the country great it's the things we've talked about here you know and because to me manifest destiny yeah, we have some problems with that, but that, to me that speaks of we saw ourselves at one point as a force for good and maybe we didn't go about manifesting it, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. the right way, but I think overall we've done great things for the world. We had an unlimited vision yeah. of, of what a people could accomplish and the way they could be governed. Right. It, it, we lose that sense because you know we destroyed it basically everybody and rebuilt them in our own image well yeah but we were the first it's still a fairly unique idea to say we're not a, a, a people tied by these other things we're an ideal we yes we put we put this to paper first before being a country really right we did not come up with a reason to be a country after we already were we came up with a reason to be a country, and then we went about and did it. And isn't that exactly what we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the idea that all men are created equal. Exactly. Nobody else has ever done that. Exactly. Yeah. We, you know, it's not geographic ties because, you know, everybody, almost everybody who is uh, not 100% Native American. Oh, I still want to know how long you have to be here before you're a Native American. That still bugs me. It's the language that bugs me. Language. It's, it's the it's, language it's, that bugs yeah. me. Um, we, but, we are fans of precise language here at exactly. Sticks and Otters. Uh, I mean, my family's been in this country for over 400 years. There are about 400 years. I mean, it's like, well, that, that's pretty darn Native. That's pretty Native. But I digress. But the whole idea that, that we've banded together around the idea as opposed to, well, you know, we're all uh, relatively related, and, you know, we're all the same ethnic background, because we're not. We're not the same ethnic. Even when we started, we weren't exactly the same ethnic background. Mostly, but not exactly. And it's just, I don't know, I guess I just have a more intellectual-based idea of what, what the country is than, mm-hmm. than too many. And maybe that's part of the problem, is that, you know, the country started out as an intellectual idea. And once you start expressing that and moving on, it, uh, that changes. And maybe that just makes me an old fuddy-duddy. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, that's not what makes me an old you're, fuddy-duddy. You're an idealist, and that's okay. Well, we yeah. need idealists. Absolutely. You know, if we didn't have idealists, you know, we wouldn't have gone to the moon. We wouldn't have defended Europe from fascism. We wouldn't have 
done so many different things that have that, have been, that yeah. has been great. Yeah, and and we talk about this often here at Snakes and Otters: the balance between idealism and pragmatism, yeah. or thought and action. You know, this is a constant theme of this stretch and pull, and how do you find the balance and you know, action without thoughts, thrashing at night. <laughs> but, you know, thought without any action is... Chaos. Well, it's it's it's, it's nothing. It's a... Yeah. It's ethereal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it's a, yeah, it's a it, fart and a whirlwind. It's, there you go. <laughs> Another colorful metaphor comes to the rescue. Yes, thank you. Very wonderful. Again, benefits of a classical education. Oh, sort of. man, here we, we started the walk through that door at the beginning and we came all the way back around and walking through it at the end. Yes. Ending, speaking of which, it's time. What's next, buddy? Uh, our heroes. We're going back. And uh, George S. Patton Jr. You know, we're doing this World War II meta theme here in 2021 and you know there's certain personalities that just have to be talked about and his is one <laughs> uh, i think i mean i've been a big fan of him uh flawed as he was uh but also brilliant as he was and certainly larger than life that's that's inarguable no matter uh what you think of the man uh and a great leader as well which we all here at snakes and otters we admire leadership that's, that's a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. Being good at your craft is one of the things we love, and leadership is one of those great crafts we love to hear about. We're going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, what happened, what didn't happen, and uh, all that stuff next time. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.